did God create the heavens and earth? Um, or was it evolution? How, how did we really come to be? Where did we come from? Like, where did the universe come from? It brought me to a point where I had to dig deeper past the surface of God created the heavens and earth. I think sometimes I struggle believing that God's grace covers everyone and every situation and every single sin. There's just not an answer for everything. I believe in the healing God, but my situation speaks contrary to that. The pain was overwhelming. I didn't really know if he was there. Why won't he heal me? Why won't he hear me? There are just so many things in the world that unexplained you would wonder how a loving, forgiving God would even allow to happen. I don't understand how someone can just give up and give in and, again, blindly trust and uh, blindly have faith in something. One thing I really struggled with and wrestled in the Bible was the fact that the devil exists. If God is good, why did he let my cousin die? You know, why did he let my parents uh, split apart? Hola, Iglesia. Yo quiero compartir en español por dos minutos. I want to share in Spanish for two minutes. Es muy importante. Mi mensaje es muy importante. This message is very important. Mientras estaba orando mañana. When I was praying this morning. Yo aprendí una palabra nueva a rogar. I learned a new word, which means to beg, rogar. Rogar significa beg. Rogar means to beg, to plead. Mientras, mientras orando, uh, rogar, y mientras rogando, estaba rogando uh, a Dios. As I was begging to the Lord today. Me, me sentí uh, la presencia de Dios en mi cuerpo. I felt God's presence all over my body. Yo quiero llorar cada, cada mañana. I, I want to I cry. I wanted to cry this morning. I want to cry now. Necesitamos rogar por la presencia de Dios en nuestras vidas. We need to beg for God's presence in our life. Necesitamos rogar por el poder de Dios en nuestras vidas en nuestra iglesia. We need to pray for God's power in our lives and God's power here at the Rock Church. Yo quiero expresar el corazón de Dios. I want to express the heart of God. For nuestra iglesia. For our church. Vamos a orar. Let's pray. Let's, let's kneel on the ground. Let's get on our knees. Padre de Dios. Father God. Necesitamos más poder en nuestras vidas. We need, we need more power in our lives. Estamos rogando por su presencia en nuestra iglesia. We are begging for your presence in our Muchas church. gracias por su presencia. Muchas gracias por la salvación nos dado. Thank you for the presence that you've given us, Lord. Muchas gracias por su hijo que murió por nuestros pecados. Thank you for your son that died for our sins. Te exaltamos por su amor. We exalt you for your love. Muchas gracias, Señor. Thank you, Lord. Hablar a los cielos y envía el Espíritu Santo en este lugar. We pray that you open up the heavens and send your Holy Spirit in this place. 
Necesitamos milagrosas en nuestra iglesia. iglesia. We need miracles in this place. En el nombre de Jesús, amén. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I was driving here this morning. I just want God to do what he wants to do. I have a sermon. I think it's important. <laughs> but I want God to do something in your life. And whenever I prepare a sermon, I have, um, I have to identify the burden that I have, that God has for you. And when that burden hits me, it's very emotional because I'm a burden preacher, which means I'm not just giving information. I want to have a burden for people who don't know God, who don't trust God. So my burden for you today is that you don't doubt God. And I'm going to try to express the message that I have, but the whole point is that you stop doubting God. You stop questioning him. And you trust him. And I, I hope that the message that I have will help explain to you how to do that. We're going to start a series today called I Doubt It. It's going to go five weeks to six weeks. And I'm going to talk about a lot of reasons people doubt God, whether it's because there's so many religions and you feel like, how can one be true? Or you have had things happen in your life you didn't like, so you question God because God's not doing what you want. We'll do a whole sermon on that. Science, some of you are science people. You think science explains everything. We're going to do a sermon on that. Some of you don't believe the Bible because you think man wrote it, not God. Next week we're going to talk about that. But in the end, I want you to bring your doubts to God. I don't want you to just blindly say, I'm not going to question anything. I want you to bring it to God. That's what we're going to look at today. And I want you to say, God, here's my question. God is way bigger than your problem. So give it to God. Just give it to him. Amen? And, and at the end of the sermon in all the campuses, you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, here's my, here's my doubt. And you're, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. And I want you to come forward. And I want you to beg God for clarity in your life. And don't just go through the emotions. Say, God, I really want to know who you are. I really want to see your power in my life. I really want to see you do miracles in my life. I really want to understand why I'm here on this earth and not just come to church every now and then. I really want what you have for me. And not let the doubts of the world, the doubts of the devil distract you from the amazing life. It breaks my heart when I see people walking down the street homeless, knowing that God had this amazing plan for their life. People eating out of trash. Young girls cut up and put in a suitcase the other day. It's satanic. So let's, let's get out of our Bibles and do a Bible study. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, doubt. What is the doubt? 
There's a word, a Greek word, diakonino, means to separate, to distinguish, to judge or evaluate. A process of evaluating and judging and competing ideas. Lord, what does the Bible true? Is God real? This is what it means to doubt. Turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And by the way, if you're watching, I also would like you to send in your questions that you have for us, because my suspicion is that this series is going to turn into many series. In other words, we'll do a whole series on science, a whole series on the Bible, a whole series on pain. But we want to know your questions if there's other things you doubt so we can answer those questions, because I want you to have the truth. There are good answers for all your questions. Mark chapter 9. First, let me read a couple of verses to you about doubt. Because we all have it. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 would be up on the screen. It says, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Everyone say, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he will say will be done, he will have whatever he says. Huh, Jesus said that. How many of y'all have a miracle in your life you want? Okay, let's try this one more time. You can raise your hand, elbow above your ears. How many of you have a miracle in your life? A mountain you would love to cast into the sea. Or maybe a friend you would love to cast into the sea. <laughs> he says, if you don't doubt, guess what? I can do that in your life. James chapter 1 verse 6. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Oh, by the way, it doesn't mean that if you doubt, God won't do it anyway. How many of you prayed a prayer and you had a little doubt and God did it anyway? And by the way, how many of you did God did something in your life and you didn't even ask for it and he did it right before you even asked for it? You know why? Because God loves you this much. And one of the reasons he does that is to encourage you to believe. He never answers our prayer according to our faith. He answers our prayer according to more than our faith. He never answers our prayer because we deserve it. He gives us more than we deserve because we have to serve a good God. In this story we're going to read, it's about a man who has a demon-possessed son. He brings a demon-possessed son to the disciples. The disciples pray for his demon-possessed son, and they can't cast the demon out. Jesus comes down, and he says, what's going on? And they said, I brought my son to your disciples. They couldn't cast the demon out. And Jesus says, oh, you little faith. And he prays 17 words, and he casts the demon out. This sermon is not about casting the demon out. It's about doubt. It's about surrendering your doubt. Let's read the story. Chapter 9, verse 14. It says, Mark 9, 14. When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, they greeted him. And they said, what are you discussing with them? And one from the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever he seizes him, he throws him down, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. So here's this father has a son, and he has demons in him. And the demon throws him on the ground, he foams at the mouth, and the kid's like, and he brought it to the disciples, and the disciples prayed, and they, and they did smoke, and they did their thing, boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka, and they're praying all this stuff, and nothing's happening. 
And he said, Jesus, I brought it to your disciples. And Jesus said in verse 19, he answered, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground, wild foaming at the mouth. And by the way, uh, demon possession is real. Demon exorcism is real. And often what the demons do is right before they're going to get exorcised, they start acting up and start to scare people and start to growl and, and exhibit uh, evil. Why? To intimidate people from praying. Demonic spirits are involved in your life and they never want you to know that they're there. They want to be silent. They just want to mess with you silently. But it's when they get cast out or right before they're getting cast out or someone who's going to come and pray for them that has power, they start to, ah, ah, they start to act crazy and get angry. I was talking to someone the other day and right as I was challenging them, they turned into another person. And his eyes got red, his white, so part of his eyes got red. And he says, I don't want to talk to you anymore. It was like the spirit said, get away, demon said, get away from him. And so he says, he started wilding at the mouth, verse 21. And he asked him, how long has this been happening to him? By the way, anytime you read in the Bible, Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer. He's asking the question, one, so the person can say to everybody else what's been going on. So when Jesus heals this little boy, everybody will know what the history is. So he says, I want you to tell everybody about your son. And he says, in verse 22, often he has thrown them both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Everybody say, if you can believe. If you can believe, God can do amazing things in your life. If you would beg, beg, not, God, I'm just going to come. Where's my million dollars? Where's my wife? Where's my new career? Oh, it ain't here yet? Okay, bye. No, beg. All y'all had a crush on somebody in your life. Did you pursue that person? Sure enough, you did. You were consumed with that person. You talked about that person. You thought about that person. You had images in your mind. Can I get an amen? Yeah, and, and some of y'all went, went a little further, and you stalked that person. Can I get an amen? Security, security, security. I was that guy. When I met my wife, I went and did some stuff to find out where she was. Not illegal, but... He says immediately, the fa- verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Lord, I believe you can heal my son, but I have doubt. Take my doubt. We'll get to that later. later. Let's keep reading. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the deaf, clean spirit. Verse 25, you deaf, dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, ah, convulsed him and greatly came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples said to him privately, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Number one in your notes, and if there's anything you get out of this whole series, it's this one first point. Look in your notes. This one first point, 
The story of the father gives context to your doubt. Everybody say the story of the father. This is the most important point of this whole series. This one point. You will hear me say it every week. The story of the father gives context to your doubt. Everyone say story. Let me explain to you story. The Bible is a story. 60% of the Bible are stories. In every story, there is somebody who is God's friend. It's a nation. It's a person. It's an angel. It's some entity that is promoting the agenda of God. In every story, there is God's enemy or Satan's friend. They oppose the agenda of God. So you have a good guy who is promoting the agenda of God, someone who's bad or opposing the agenda of God. And by the way, that's the definition of good and bad, or for or against God. The conflict between the two is the plot of the story. Moses trying to free God's people, Pharaoh trying to enslave them. David trying to fight for, for the people of God, Goliath trying to oppose them. And the conflict between the two is the plot of the story. Everyone say God's friend. Say God's enemy. Say conflict. Say plot. So in every story, there is God's friend, God's enemy. They, are oppose, they oppose each other, and God's friend is always confronting a problem way bigger than he can handle. Moses with a stick against all of Egypt. David, a little kid with four rocks and a giant and a whole army. Gideon hit with 300 soldiers and against all the Midianites, tens of thousands. And so you have God's friend who's saying, God, I'm, a, I'm, I'm defending your agenda against God's enemies who have way more resources than God's friend. And the conflict is the plot of the story. And he is the, the best part of the story. Every story, God solves the conflict. He has to be the hero. So when Moses comes against Pharaoh, he got, Moses says, who am I? All I have is a stick. And God says, you have me. When David says, I'm going to go down there and fight in the name of the, the God of Israel, I'm going to fight and kill that Philistine because he has the power of God. Gideon says, I'm going to fight the Midianites. I have 300 guys, but I have the power of God. So in every story you have God's friend. Everyone say God's friend. Say God's enemy. Say God's friend is always overwhelmed. And God is the hero. God has to be the hero. Ever since you were born, you have been in the story. You are either God's friend saying, I'm going to live for God, or you are God's enemy saying, I'm going to do my own thing. Probably all of us are schizophrenic. We go from one side to another. I'm God's friend one minute, I'm God's enemy the next minute. I'm God's friend one minute, I'm God's enemy one minute. But in your life, because you are in story, God has you in a story and in that story, you are always coming up against conflict. And so you have to realize that the doubt that you have about God, his faithfulness, his power in your life, his desire to do miracles in your life, has to be put in the context of this story. And here's the story. You were born into a war. When you were born, you were born into a spiritual battle. Genesis chapter, chapter 3 tells us, one and two says, God made man and said, have dominion over the earth. The devil was on the earth. I give you dominion. God created you and you and you to walk with him in victory. He created you to hear his voice. He created you to, to exercise his power and his authority on earth. 
He created you to be victorious and, and full of joy and peace and patience and kindness. And yet there's a devil. And the devil is your enemy. And by the way, people say, well, is, 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 is life about God and the devil fighting? God and the devil fighting is not a fight. He would just go like that. It's like you see, you know, you see spiders or a beetle on the ground. You're like, how long do I want it to live? And when you decide it's over, crunch. Can I get amen? That's God and the devil. You know what God said? God says, I'm going to make man in my image, and man's going to live on the earth, and man's going to defeat the devil. And here's what the devil said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent said, who was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, what did God say? Doubt. Every day you were in a story, your life had a beginning and it will have an end. And you are fighting a battle. And the devil is speaking to you constantly. And he's trying to get you to question God. Is God real? Did God really say that? Is God faithful? Is the Bible really true? Didn't science make everything? If God loves you, he wouldn't, you wouldn't have pain in your life. If God is so powerful, why would there be so much evil in the world? He's putting all these doubts in your head. Why? Because he's trying to destroy your relationship with God. Why? Because the story is you're either God's friend, trusting God, or you're God's enemy, questioning God. That's your story. So wherever, every single one of you are today, you have stuff going on in your life right now. You're mad at God. You're frustrated. You're not doubting. You're hesitating. You're not begging. You're not believing why? Because you don't understand the story that you're in. You're in a battle, a war. You weren't born just to make money and be happy and all that stuff, and God's supposed to facilitate that. You were born into a war where God said, I want you to have dominion over the powers of darkness in your life. I want you to have dominion over the powers of darkness in other people's lives and set people free. That's what you were made for. But the devil said, no, 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 you need to be comfortable you need to be rich. You need to be blessed. You need to have a man. You need to have a woman. You need to have everything you see other people have. You deserve that. You listen to the radio. You have rights. You have rights. And God says, where do you get that from? That's not me. You have the opportunity to live for God. That's the story you're in. Now, here's the thing about a story. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And the devil's telling you today, look at your life today. God has forgotten you today. What he's not telling you is what God's going to do tomorrow. And here's the greatest thing about our story. We know in the end we win. You know if you die with Christ, you win. And yet we're worried about, I don't have that house. I don't have that car. I don't have that money. I don't have that. And the devil's getting you all hyped up on little petty stuff versus looking at the kingdom of God and the glorious heaven and the mansion in heaven that God is making for you. That's your story. That's your hope. So, so today I just want the latest framework because every single week we're going to put your questions, your science questions, in the context of story. Your pain questions. The most common pain is when we don't, when we don't get what we want. That's every single day. Put it in the context of the story. There's a liar in your head. What I mean by that, there's whispers. What about this? What about that? They, they're not better than you. You deserve this. You deserve that. You're entitled. Lies. Lies. But you have to put it in the context of the story that you are walking with God. And he is, wants to use you to have dominion over evil. He wants to use you to have victory over evil in your life. 
to have victory over disappointment in your life. That's your story, your journey. And you are walking towards more holiness every single day. Where eventually when you die, you go to heaven. When you die, you go to heaven. Oh, they died. They're in heaven. My father died we, three days. He was in coma. I told you, told you several times. And it was sad to see him go because we miss him. However, he's in heaven. He's in heaven. And we have bad things happen to us. We go, God, what are you doing? God's like, are you kidding me? You're insulting me. I'm working something in your life. You don't think I can get you through all of this. So let's keep reading. Look what it says next in your notes. The Son of God engages your doubt. The first thing is that you are in story. Jesus engaged your doubt. In other words, Jesus lived our story. The Bible says he was tempted in every single way we were tempted. He has girls liking him. He had business people trying to rip him off. He had to deal with brothers and sisters. He had to deal with parents. He had to deal with people doubting him, stabbing him in the back, denying him, talking behind his back, trying to rip him off. Killed him. He dealt with all of that. He lived our story. And you know what he did? He says, watch how I live the story. This is how you are to live the story. And here's what he's saying to his disciples. Disciples, I'm trying to teach you to live above these weak prayers. I'm trying to teach you how to live above being oppressed by demonic forces. You can actually cast this demon out. He's trying to model that to them. He's saying, disciples, you are going to raise the dead like me. You are going to walk on water like me. You are going to heal the blind, the deaf, the mute like me. You are going to cast out demons like me. This is what you were made for. This is what you were made for. You, 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 you. And God is constantly trying to get us to believe that, walk in that, trust him. And, he, and so Christ says, I am going to engage. And look what he says to him in verse 23, 24. He says to him, verse 23, Father, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. <laughs> Do you believe that, my friends? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. Why is it so powerful? Raise your hand, please. If you have, if you have any doubt in your life, raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you ever, and keep your hand up if this is true. Have you ever been frustrated with God, mad at God? God, why are you taking so long? Blah, blah, blah. Raise your hand. Very good. Guess what God said? Oh, this is what, this is good. This is, this is, this is it right here, right here. God says, give it to me. Come on. Don't just da, 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 da. give it to me. Tell me. Tell me. The father said, Lord, I believe you can heal my son. I, I seen it. I heard it. I believe you can help my son. But there's a little meaning of the doubts. Can you help me with that? Oh, I could deal with that all day. You know, the Bible says if you doubt, don't ask anything with doubt. There's nothing wrong with having doubt. It's just don't let doubt have you. You don't want to hold on to it. You want to acknowledge it and surrender it. Tell God, God, I doubt you'll forgive me. I doubt you'll free me from the bondage, the addiction, the, the slavery, the mental slavery, the spiritual slavery I'm in. I don't know if I could ever break this cycle of divorce in my family, this cycle of abuse in my family, this cycle of addiction in my family. I, I want it. I've, I've seen it. Pastor talks about his addiction. I, I believe it. But, but there's a part of me that I don't know. Can you deal with that? God says, I can deal with that all day long. Don't feel bad that you have those questions. Don't feel bad that you have doubt. Just give it to him. Get on your knees and say, God, change me. Set me free. I want it. He's like, how bad do you want it? 
Because it's not cheap. I died the cross to set you free. So how bad do you want it? I want it bad. Give it to me. Tell me. And you confess. Confess your lust. Confess your pride. Confess your late night pornography stuff on your, on your phone and your computer. Tell God, set me free. Ask him, set me free. I can't, I can't get, I can't get loose. Tell him. The father says, please. He cried out, please. I believe, but there's a part of me that doubts, and I need to be honest with you, but can you take that? He said, oh, all day long. All day long. Third, the Spirit of God comforts your doubt. The Spirit of God, the story of the Father gives context. The Son engages your doubt. Jesus engage pain. We're going to see that in a couple weeks. Oh my gosh, did he engage pain? Jesus was the living word. We're going to talk about the Bible. Oh yeah, he engaged the word. He was the word. Jesus gave perspective to science in a big time way. Look what it says next. When Jesus saw the people, verse 25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you deaf, dumb spirit. I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. 17 words, New King James English translation. You deaf, dumb spirit. The spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. Matthew 12, 28 says, I drive out, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The spirit of God is going to execute God's plan in your life. It's going to comfort you. The spirit of God is going to convict you. The spirit of God is going to reveal to you the truth. The spirit of God is going to remind you what Jesus said. You are walking in a story. And the devil's going to come against you because he wants you to be his friend, not the God's friend. He wants you to doubt God, not believe God. He wants you to question God, not trust God. Every single day you are in that story. And everybody around you is either God's friend or God's enemy. Everybody around you. Your friends are either opposed to God's agenda in your life or they are, or they are in favor of God's agenda in your life. And your friends are either pulling you away from God or they encourage you to believe God. One or the other. And you have to decide where in that story you want to be. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the victorious, supernatural person wielding and, and expressing the power and love of God in your life or not? Or do you want to be someone who goes to church, goes through the motions, and wants to have your cake and eat it too? That's not God's friend. That's a, a cultural Christian. Or do you want to say, Lord, I want what you want. And here are all the things I question. Here's all the ways I doubt. Here's all the places I fail. Can you help me with that? God says, that's all I, I, all I need. I can work with that all day long. And so he casts his demon out, and he's showing to everybody else, fellas, disciples, watch this. You deaf, dumb spirit, come out of him and enter him no more. Disciples, watch this. You deaf, dumb spirit, because this is what you're going to do. This is what you were made to do. Watch this. Church, rock church, all the church, all the people watching online, this is what you were made to do. You deaf, dumb spirit, come out of him and to him no more. That's your story. This is what you need to believe for. This is what you need to pray for. The spirit comes out of him. Bam. And look what it says. It says the disciples in verse 28, when they came into the house, they said, dang, Lord, that was the bomb. <laughs> Why couldn't we do that? Jesus said, you can. You can. 
but it ain't cheap. You've got to fast and pray. A lot of us want the easy way out. Let me just go to church every week, every other week, once a month. Say, word, Jesus. And I get my miracles. God says, you need to beg. You need to beg. I want you to beg. It's not cheap. I died on the cross. I died on the cross to give you the opportunity to walk with me. Either you want it or you don't. When I was driving here this morning, God says, beg. I want you to beg. I'm going to give you all opportunity to beg. Some of you all in bondage today. Some of you have never asked Christ to be your Savior. Some of you have asked Christ to be your Savior years ago, and your life is no different. You just go to church whenever, and your life is no different. And you blame it on the pastor. You blame it on your church. You blame it on everything else as though God is not bigger than all that. He says, do you want it or not? This is not a game. This is life and death. A girl in our city was put in a suitcase. That is Satan. That's Satan. And God is looking for people who will, who will beg him, who will say, Lord, I'm human. I have these questions, but I'm giving them to you. Please replace them with faith. Please replace it with faith. So in a minute we're going to pray, and, and I just, I'm going to ask you to pray in all the campuses and, and surrender your doubt to God. I'm going to ask you to stand up, not worrying about who is around you, and get, get, get beyond the church stuff and say, Lord, I just want you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out right now. and all. The, no, no, just give me some background. Let's all bow our heads and pray real quick. In all the campuses, I want you to listen very carefully. Lord, we are in a story. You are unfolding something in our life. We were born and we're going to die. And in the middle, all this stuff happens. And you are trying to get us to walk in the purpose that you created us for, to have dominion on this earth. Spiritual dominion. Authority. You have given us all authority in heaven and earth. We have access to all authority on heaven and earth because you are seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe that. But, Lord, there are many of us, and all of us at some point, in some form, we doubt you. We surrender that to you. We admit that to you. We reveal it to you. Fill us with faith and courage. Fill us with a vision for what you have for us. Lord, push people over the edge. Eyes closed, heads bowed. If you want to surrender your doubt, like the Father said, Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. Pray this prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. For some of you, it's salvation. For some of you, it's recommitment. For some of you, it's a kick in the butt to get going. To stop the routine. The routine routine is empty. The devil has you in a non-productive habit, a non-productive groove where you are completely, completely not a, a, a dangerous to him. No threat to his kingdom. You were just taking up Christian space. Let's move past that. Pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. And I pray hundreds of you in all campuses, 
Hundreds of you say, Lord, help my unbelief. Right now, pray with me in the privacy of your heart. And I'm going to tell you now, after this prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm telling you now, after this prayer, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm telling you now, and I'm challenging you now, walk the, the walk God calls you. Live the story God has for you. In your privacy of your heart, pray this prayer. Dear God, I surrender my doubt. I believe you love me. I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead. Fill me with the Spirit of God. I surrender my life to Jesus. I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. If you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up and again. Live the story. Hold on to God and beg him to show you his purpose for your life. In the privacy of your heart, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. I just want you to stand up. My prayers, hundreds of you in every campus would stand to your feet and say, Lord, I'm ready to live. I'm ready to, I'm ready to walk in faith. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.